This is Archive Atlanta, episode 165, Georgia State Lottery. You're listening to Archive Atlanta, a history podcast where each week I'll be sharing a story about the people, places, and events that shape the history of the city of Atlanta. I'm your host, local tour guide, and total history nerd, Victoria Lamos. Hey everyone, happy Friday. So I have had a super busy week uh, with every facet, like work was crazy, life was crazy, went to lots of events, and I had a very relevant new episode involving women uh, and war two things that are, you know, happening in the month of March. And it was about 80% done. It just wasn't good. I did not want to rush it. I want to take my time. So I pulled out an old episode from the Patreon archives. I'm going to release it this week. It's really interesting. It's a short story, but it is the history of the Georgia State Lottery, um, the earliest history and how we started the state lottery. And then I hope you enjoy it. And next week, we will be back with a new episode for you. If you're into Atlanta history, then you've more than likely heard of Franklin Garrett, who was Atlanta's only official historian. His piece de resistance, if you will, is a three-book series called Atlanta and its Environs. Now, if you've ever read it, it's not an easy feat. He writes very much in stream of consciousness, and I've spoken with someone who actually knew him when he was alive and confirmed that he wrote just as he spoke. So one second you're reading about the West End, and then the next second you're reading about the Georgia Lottery, which is exactly what happened to me. And as I read this Georgia Lottery story, not only was I totally immersed and amused, but when I went to confirm it in the world of Google, this story was nowhere to be found. The history of lotteries in America can be traced all the way back to colonial times. A researcher found that 392 lotteries existed within the original 13 colonies. Not only was the lottery a form of entertainment or distraction, but the profits actually funded the building of the colony itself. By the 1830s, state lotteries were allowed in order to fund various projects or organizations. But also in that time, you see Southern evangelicals denouncing gambling and the lottery itself on moral grounds. Between 1805 and 1833, the state of Georgia used land lotteries to redistribute native land. So although this is called a lottery, it wasn't something the state made any profit on. It was simply a mechanism to dole out the land. When the Civil War ended in 1864, it left 50,000 children without a father and 10,000 children as orphans, having lost both parents in the conflict. It's an outcome of war that we often forget, but it was a huge issue in Atlanta, and organizations popped up trying to help. In 1866, there was an idea to institute a state lottery, which had been illegal before the war. The state legislator passes the act that allows a group of listed men and women to create a scheme to raise money for an orphanage and support orphans and widows. This structure was to be named the Masonic Orphans Home. The Georgia Lottery constructs a brick building at the corner of Walton and Forsyth Streets, which today is the site of the Grant Building at 44 Broad Street. Although managed by William Boyd, the trustees are made up of women, socially prominent widows representing different Georgia cities like Columbus, Atlanta, and Macon. The very first state of Georgia lottery details are written down for us to chuckle at now, but I found this really cool to read. The grand prize, or the capital prize as it was labeled, was a brick house and accompanying landlot in Atlanta, and it had a $3,000 value. 
After that, we have 47 other prizes consisting of six gold watches, 12 silver watches, a silver plated tea set, one French clock, a music box, silver coffee urn, um, silver plated casters, silver plated baskets, silver plated ice pitchers, and one photograph album, which could hold 200 pictures. 400 tickets were issued, each costing $10, which adjusted for inflation would be around $185 today. Tickets to be sold by banker John James, and he would also control the money. If no drawing occurred, it would be refunded. A drawing would only occur when all the tickets were sold, and there are 48 guaranteed winners of at least some kind of prize. When drawing day came, they had two large wheels. I imagine them looking like those bingo basket wheel things. One had the names of 400 ticket holders and the other had 48 prize tickets along with 352 blanks. The wheels revolved in, quote, the presence of responsible men, end quote, and tickets chosen after each revolution. It was a success. As the year passed, more and more drawings continued, and the Georgia Lottery was able to open a school. In 1867, the Orphans Free School opened on the second floor of the Lottery Building. If you're paying attention, you'll note that this was not the original plan. There was supposed to be an orphanage for children and kind of like a center to aid the widows. Um, That was never built. The Masons pulled out of the project amid rumblings of some drama, but instead the Lottery focused its attention on education. Mrs. A.P. Hill was named the principal, and teachers were wives and daughters of soldiers killed in battle or other prominent Atlanta men. The children enrolled here were taught the basic curriculum, along with physiology, chemistry, Latin, and German. The following year, the board of managers is led by three men, James Waddell, Dr. Henry Wilson, and Colonel Alexander Wallace. Tickets are now sold throughout the city, and an advertisement lets Atlantans know that they can get them at the store of Henry Kurtz, down on Railroad Block. By 1867, please excuse my language, but shit starts to hit the fan. Senator Robert Hester leads the charge against the corrupt sham that is the Georgia Lottery and begs the state to overturn the legality of such operations. He shows financials that prove that little money went to the school, which by this time was only serving 20 children, and instead the pockets of the board of managers were lined. Their salaries kept going up and up. Um, They were not paying teachers, and these men were flaunting wealth that did not coincide with their day job. Also, an outrage was that the orphans were helping to turn the wheels or select the numbers, which was seen as demoralizing and a bad influence. There was also concern over the popularity of the lottery with the black community in Atlanta, and this, of course, is spoken about in a grossly derogatory way. It's also discovered that the lottery headquarters and school building is deeded not to any organization, but instead to the three managers individually. There is a year of back and forth legal battles and news just comes out every day. Um, It even goes out of state. There's a New New York newspaper covered the drama. Finally, in 1877, the Georgia legislature made lotteries illegal. In 1883, the building was repossessed for back taxes and sold to Mr. O.A. Lockrane. Fast forward to 1990 when Zell Miller was campaigning for governor of Georgia. Part of those campaign promises was an education lottery. In 1991, the Georgia legislature passed an amendment to the Constitution allowing lottery funds to be used for education purposes only. This is the start of the HOPE Scholarship, which provides college scholarships for students with a high um, grade point average, a B or higher, as well as funding pre-K programs around the state. 
In the first week of this new iteration of the Georgia State Lottery, 52 million tickets were sold. From that day until today, there's been over $12 billion given to education. So there you have it, the short story of the Georgia State Lottery. Uh, Thank you everyone for listening. Remember to leave a rating and or a review wherever you listen. Have a great weekend and I'll talk to you next week.